Church, good morning mothers, happy Mother's Day to everyone, or, or mothers anyway, but uh, we all get a benefit from that though, don't we? Um, we are going to be in Ruth today for our Mother's Day. Uh, if you want to look that up, I, it is a little hard to find because it's such a small book, but if you find Judges or First Samuel, it's right in between uh, Judges and First Samuel. So if you find First Samuel, just go to the beginning of First Samuel, you'll find the end of Ruth or uh, at the end of Judges there. I kind of want to review a little bit before we uh, dive right into this, um, because we just started, you know, our renovation series, and in the midst of our renovation series, we have this little uh, series, it's called Renew Within Me a Steadfast Spirit. Uh, Remember the lighthouse image, and that's what we're really trying to create within us, is this fortress, this this uh, person that can withstand whatever storms the world comes to us um, and uh, or brings to us. And, and so we started last week, and we, we talked about just renew within us God. We prayed about this. Renew within us God uh, goodness. And we looked at Daniel. And remember, when we, when we looked at Daniel, there was, as far as Scripture goes, there's nothing that they could find to point out a flaw in Daniel. They wanted to find a flaw in Daniel, and there's just nothing. And so they had to create something that had to do with his uh, serving God because they knew that that's what he was all about is serving God 100%. By the way, if it looks like I got a stiff neck, I got a stiff neck. Uh, It's the way I slept last night, I guess. But uh, anyway, um, so Daniel, just, he, he's just such a good person. So we went there just to look at Daniel and, and hopefully be inspired by Daniel to be good ourselves. Uh, God has given us a spirit within us. And within that spirit um, comes goodness. I mean, the spirit of God that lives within us wants to bring out goodness in us. And so the more we are yielded to that spirit, the more that goodness comes out of us. And, and so we looked at that. And, and today I want us to look at, you know, and pray about that God renew within me kindness. Uh, again, it's just a quality of the spirit of God within you. When, as that spirit is moving in your life, he's wanting to bring out kindness. And so we are wanting him and asking him to renew this within us. And so we have this picture, again, of just the lighthouse, if you could bring that up. And that's what we are wanting built in us. And let me tell you, the Spirit of God can build that within you. Maybe you don't feel like when the storms of life come upon you, maybe you don't feel that strong, you know, like that picture um, exemplifies. But it can be you. The more you are yielded to the Spirit of God, the more that He can create in you such strength, inner strength that can withstand anything. And so as we are going through this renovation, uh, we are physically in the midst of trying to renovate some things of the church, but mostly, and the most important thing that we could focus on is letting the Spirit of God renovate us from within uh, and to produce these things within us. Um, it's a, there's an, an universal truth that is attached to what I want to talk to you about today. By the way, just as we are, are also remembering mothers on Mother's Day, uh, it's not coincidental that I picked Ruth. It's not coincidental that I picked kindness, you know, out of all of the nine 
uh, attributes of the Spirit, I just felt like that would be a good one for us to focus on, you know, as we talk about mothers, because mothers exemplify kindness so well in our lives. So we can remember that kind of as we walk through this as well. But there's a universal truth attached to today's lesson. And the universal truth is just this. You reap what you sow. You you, you reap what you sow. And there's just something about that that is important for us to remember as we talk about this topic, kindness. Kindness is such a great thing to receive. Amen? I mean, I love when people are kind to me. And what I've learned not just from experience, but also from the Word of God, that uh, this is just one of those places that if you want kindness to come your direction, then you have to learn to be a kind person because you reap what you sow when it comes to kindness. And let me tell you something about kindness. I think that when you are a kind person, when you show yourself to be kind to people around you, Not only do you reap kindness, but usually you reap it even in a greater sense. Like you reap kindness, you get kindness back, but in in return, uh, multiple uh, uh, dividends back. There's a a great verse that uh, we should know by heart. I think that it should be like one of the, I don't know, maybe top ten of the verses that we know when it comes to... um, uh, encouraging us in our behavior, okay? Uh, I don't know that I'd be a top 10 of all verses, but at least a top 10 of verses that encourages our behavior. Should This should be one of them. And this is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says this, Do not be deceived. And nobody wants to be deceived. God cannot be mocked, and nor would we ever want to mock God and say he's wrong. But this is what God says, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And so you want to reap love, which I would say that all of us would be like, yeah, that would be good. Then you sow love. That's how you reap it. If you want to reap peace in your life, then you sow peace. Uh, You should be a peaceful person. If you want to reap emotional pain, which I don't know anybody that wants to reap that, right? But if you wanted to, then you know how to reap emotional pain. You, you sow anger and judgment and rejection of others. I'm pretty sure that that would accomplish that for you if you were wanting to, but, but nobody wants to do that. If you want to reap joy, which everybody wants that, then, then you sow joy wherever you go. So it tells us in verse 8 there, it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Now it's easy to sow from one's flesh because we were created in the flesh, right? The, the Spirit of God came later. Once we met Jesus, we're baptized into Jesus, and the Holy Spirit come within us. Then we have this new nature, and Ephesians talks about the, you know, the, that now that we have this new nature, it, it, it battles, it, it fights against. There's like this tug of war that is going on in the midst of us. And let me tell you, the moment you become a Christian, you realize that there is a major tug of war uh, going on within you. And the reason is, is because there's this fleshly nature that doesn't just go away. But it is easy to to sow to the flesh, because it's just those desires that have been there ever since we were a kid. When you were fighting over the toys with your siblings, right, you know that there is this this fleshly nature about you that knows what you want, and, and, and it wants it really bad. 
But it tells us here in, in this verse, it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. That's not necessarily a good thing, right? But the one who sows from the Spirit will also, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And that's the lighthouse part. Because God has given us the Spirit. It comes from Galatians 5. We, we kind of already mentioned this, but the fruit of the Spirit is it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such thing there is no law. Against such thing, uh, there is strength in that. And so we have this, this nature in us, if we will just feed it, and we will, we will encourage it, and we will submit to it, it will do amazing things in our lives. And one of the things that it will do is it will make us kind people. It, it, it will help us get into the habit of just practicing kindness. And, and I know you know this sowing and reaping thing. You, you guys probably understand that. It, it works in so many different areas of our lives. But I'm going to put you to the test for a minute. And I'm just going to ask you. So if we were to sow lust in our lives, what would we reap? Any ideas? Now, I know the wheels are turning. But if we were to sow lust what do we reap i don't know some of the things i put down was like broken relationships it just seems like it comes hand in hand right you you put lust in that your heart long enough that it just seems like you can't seem to make a relationship work it just seems like things fall apart it seems like that you would reap distrust right like the opposite of trust It, it just seems like that would come Definitely a darkness of the inner soul. Just kind of, it just kind of keeps getting a little darker and darker and darker. So the more that you sow lust, that just seems like those are the kinds of things you reap. And we kind of already did this one, but let's let's just see. If we reap love, what do we get? Well, we get love. But what other things could we like get out of love? Joy. Yeah. I think it's stability too, right? Like it just seems like it's like if you reap lust, you get these broken relationships, but if you if you reap I mean if you sow love, it just seems like you would reap like uh relationships that are strengthened or are strong. Uh it seems like you would you would reap trust, right? The opposite of those kinds of things. What if you were to re- sow greed? in your life. I know what you're thinking. Well, okay, what are the greedy people that I know? What is it that they sowed? And, and it's so true that all you have to do is think about that, and you would, you would come up with things like hurt, you know, pain, deception, right? Because greedy people just have a hard time being honest people. Um, uh, distrust, those kinds of things. So you know how this works, Right? And it's the same way when it comes to kindness. When, when you are kind, what is it that we reap? We, well, we reap kindness, you know, back, like people are kind back to us. But I think there's this thing also that, that we reap, like, we just reap blessings. I mean, like, when you are blessing someone by being kind to them, 
it just seems like people want to like put blessings back into your life. One of the things I was thinking of is like what happens when you are kind is that problems are solved. Because when you are kind to somebody, you're looking for a, a problem that you can be a part of and solve. Just like we're fixing, you already know we're in Ruth. And the first thing Ruth encounters is, is like Naomi has, my mother-in-law has this really big problem. I could be kind and solve that problem, or at least be a participant in trying to solve that problem, I suppose. And I just think that that happens so often, right, when you are kind. You, you, are, you are actually trying to solve problems, but then pro- your problems end up getting solved in re- return as you go through this. You know, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8, it tells us, those who plant injustice will harvest disaster. That's King Solomon that uh, wrote that. Um, and I know it's a negative thing, but just trying to help our minds to understand that we are reaping what we sow. We really, truly are. And so today we're going to look at Ruth. And I absolutely love this story. Every time I read it, I find like new gems along the way. It just seems like it's a story that has so much depth to it um, that you could just spend, it's only four chapters. You know, it's, it's not very long at all, but it just seems like it has so many lessons, so many great things to teach us. And so today we are just going, we're not going to be able to dive into all of its depth, but we, what we can do is we can focus here on just kindness and what is it that it's speaking to us about in this. So let's start in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land and a man of Bethlehem and Judea went to sojourn to the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. So from the very first verse, we learn so many things. Like this is during the time period of the judges. And the judges, let me tell you, when you go back and read that, or if you remember back about all that's going on, man, that is not a time I would choose to want to live. Let me tell you, they had a lot of turmoil, a lot of just a lot of frustrations, and rightly so. They were sowing all kinds of crazy stuff in their lives right then, and because of that, they were reaping all kinds of crazy stuff in their lives. But part of what was going on in the land at the time was there was this famine. Now, we know what droughts are like because we have lived through some droughts, but we never really lived through much of what I would call a famine, because we still just go to the grocery store, right? I mean, my garden just went to kaput. I don't have anything in my garden, but we don't panic because we can go down to Brahms. They got a lot of stuff down there. Uh, And so I don't know that we can really relate to what it would be like to be in a famine where we're not even sure we're going to be able to feed our children. But that's what was going on, this hardship. And so they went... On a sojourn, you know what a sojourn is? It means that they just had to, to hit the road for work, uh, so to speak. I remember <clears throat> my dad was a construction worker, electrician by trade, and he would travel long ways, long distances as much as possible so that we didn't have to travel. You know, So for most of my life, I lived there in Thayer, Kansas, 
And we just had a normal life because my dad was willing to get in a car and go so many different directions and travel. But there was a period of time when I was in eighth grade, and I spent eighth grade and part of my freshman year in Illinois because there was just no work around. And so we sojourned to Illinois, you could say. that We, we went to, it never was intended to be for a long period of time. It was just to be for a temporary time. And so when the Bible talks about this word sojourn, it just means that it was, they just moved for a while. It wasn't intended to be, they were always going to intend to come back home. But they ended up, if you read through here, I think it's like in verse 7 or so, it tells us that Naomi ends up spending seven years in in Moab, in this other country, this like pagan country, just so that they could try to live through this famine. Why 10 years, did I say seven years? 10 years that they were there. The reason is, is because Life happens, right? And when they got there and they were trying to just figure out how to feed their family for a short period of time until the famine eases up and they move back, well, her husband dies. And, and then she just didn't know what to do. Here she has this, this, this mom with these, these uh, young boys, men, uh, and so she just decides to stay put. They end up marrying Moabites, you know, Ruth and and um, Ofa, Ofa uh, were the two ladies that her sons married. Um, and, uh, and so after that period of time, in the midst of all of that, they marry and they're just trying to, you know, stay put for a while. They end up dying, both her sons. And it just leaves this woman completely heartbroken. Can you imagine what that'd be like? I mean, just what she went through, the famine and moving and leaving family, then her husband dies, and, and then she's just trying to do life, and then her two boys end up dying. This woman is broken. Now, I want us to pick up in verse 8 here. It says, But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return each of you to her mother's house, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the, the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may first that you may find rest, each of you in the house of, of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. So they had already built just a real tightness in this family, haven't they? Naomi with her daughter-in-laws, and they probably learned to just really trust and love and care for each other. And she's really trying to encourage them, you know, just go make a home for yourself. You know, when she says, into the house of your husband, um, she's just saying, you need to go remarry, you need to go, you know, you've got a long life ahead of you, you need to go live it, and I'm going to go back to Judea. And they said, we will return with you. But Naomi said in verse 11, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? I got nothing to offer you. There's nothing, there's nothing back. Where I'm going, there's nothing back there for you. They won't welcome you. They probably won't treat you well. You need to just stay put. 
Verse 12, it says, Turn back, my daughters, and, and go your way, so that I, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. I mean, this woman is crushed, is she not? I mean, she just, she just has no hope and she has nothing to offer them. And she's just trying to look out for them. Then, then they lifted up their voice and they wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. I mean... That part of Scripture we have heard so many times, we almost probably have it memorized. Where you go, I will go. Where your God will be my God. And, and that part of Scripture means so much to us because it's such a, a, a great example of self-sacrifice, of loving someone uh, um, more than you even love your own life. Somebody that is wanting to care. And I was just thinking of that when I was trying to think of, okay, if we go to the Old Testament, we talk about kindness. Where do we go? And it wasn't hardly any time that this, the Spirit of God just kind of helped guide me to the, that, this passage of Scripture of Ruth and how kind she was to her mother-in-law. And I don't want to take too much from Orpha either because she obviously loved her mother-in-law also. But Ruth, I don't know, there's just some spirit within her that made her go like the extra, right, in this situation. It wouldn't have been an unkind thing for them to embrace and to kiss and love and cry and to go their separate ways in the midst of what's going on here. But there was something about Ruth that just couldn't, she couldn't let herself do that. She had to stay with this woman, this mother-in-law of hers. And I just think it's a perfect, beautiful spirit of God that is within her that I want us to see today. She gave up a lot. And I know some of us could probably like, you know, try to rationalize through that. And, we could, and, and, and I get that. We could probably like, well, maybe she didn't have a good home. You know, maybe Ophir had a lot better, Orpha had a lot better home to go back to than Ruth. Maybe, maybe she's from a very dysfunctional family. Maybe she just already was emotionally attached. And the only thing she felt like she had too was, you know, Naomi. And maybe so, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know all of that. But I think, though, as we go through the rest of the book, though, it's, it's pretty hard to not realize that she just was an amazing person that had such a good spirit about her and she was definitely 
sacrificing greatly for Naomi, her mother-in-law. You know, kindness has so many levels, doesn't it? It really does. So Orpha, she just, she was a kind lady too. But I'd say that Ruth just took it to another level of kindness. And I know that we have seen this in our own lives. We've seen it being expressed to us as well, that, that there is levels of kindness. You know, the Bible talks, not only does it talk about reaping and sowing, like we sow kindness, we will reap kindness, but it also talks about there are, there are levels of sowing and reaping. If you want to reap an abundance, what does the Bible say? You have to sow an abundance, right? Because the amount has something to do with it. Just like, for instance, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus was wanting to teach this to his disciples, and he couldn't help keep himself, he couldn't, what he saw he had to share. And so here it tells us in verse 41, it says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people, rich people put in large sums. And a, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which made a penny. Probably nobody noticed but Jesus. And he called his disciples to him and he says, Truly I, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. I don't know, that attitude just like super impressed Jesus, right? Like the amount mattered. Like not the amount in like the physical amount because it was just two pennies, but in the amount in that she gave all. I mean, when in comparison to what the others were given, she was given more than everybody else. And here's another passage of Scripture that I can't help but think of when we're talking about this kind of thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, the point is this. So this is the whole point that, that Paul's trying to make in, in this particular section. But he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also be reap bountifully. I mean, he's just trying to make a point of the same thing that I'm trying to make a point of today, and that is that there's different levels of kindness. If you really want an abundance of kindness, then you have to show, sow an abundance of kindness. He goes on to say, each one must give as he has desi- decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And it's just his way of saying, you know what? God is able to make all grace abound to you, having all sufficiency in all, time, all things, sufficiency in all things at all times. In other words, you know what? I, I will always supply more than what you give. I will make sure you have plenty to share. You share kindness, I will make sure that 
that it returns back to you so that you'll just have even more to share. Now, those are all money illustrations. But I, I believe that it applies to everything. In fact, isn't that why he says here, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Not just the, the good work of being gener- generous with our material things, our money and such, but, but that you may be able to abound in everything. Anyway, back to our scripture. Verse 8, But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. Now, the reason I bring that up again is because we're already starting to see this kindness that is coming from uh, Ruth, right? That is so apparent in our scripture. But I don't want us to overlook the kindness of Naomi. Because that's where it all seems to start. Naomi just seems to have this, this spirit about her as well. That she, uh, she has these two daughter-in-laws. And she is treating these daughter-in-laws from the moment that they came into the family like they are her daughters. They, she is attaching herself in a very kind way to these ladies. And the reason that that's so apparent is because when, when the, the storm of life comes, she's not looking out for herself, Naomi isn't. I mean, she is definitely, woe is me, right? She changes her name to Mara, which means bitter. That she just thinks God has turned his back on her, but... I mean, she is really in a bad situation, but most of the time when we are in a bad situation, the only thing we can do is focus on ourselves, right? But Naomi is not focused on herself. She is still trying to look out for these two ladies as if they were her own daughters. She wants what's best. Now, if you are a mom here, which I know there's a lot of moms here, I guarantee you understand what it means to look out for your kids. You would do anything for them to make sure that they are better. And so you would self-sacrifice easy. It would be easy for you to see in this scripture, right, this, that, that if I, even if life was going terrible for me, I would not want to bring my kids down with me, right? And so you would be wanting them to just move on without me, so to speak. But how many mother-in-laws would say that about their daughter-in-laws? I mean, I just, I just think that Naomi was kind. That's all I'm trying to point out here. Is Naomi was kind. And just like what we were just talking about, you reap what you sow, right? So what does Naomi reap out of being that kind of person? If she wasn't that kind of person, do you think Ruth would have done what she did? I don't think so. I mean, Ruth was an amazing person, but I think what brought out that amazingness of Ruth and her kindness was that Naomi started being kind first. And Naomi's already reaping something out of that kindness that she's given to her daughter-in-laws. And that is the kindness of Ruth. 
And it's just a ripple effect that happens in our life. When we practice kindness, when we watch the Holy Spirit just develop this within us, and we begin to practice it, we begin to look for opportunities. We begin, how, how you look for opportunities for kindness is you look for problems. All you have to do is look into the people's lives that are around you right now. Does anybody have any issues? And if somebody in your life has issues, now you have an opportunity to be kind, don't you? Now you have an opportunity to to practice this kindness and just check it and see if I'm not right. You step into when somebody has an issue and you're kind and considerate and you begin to help in that situation, they take notice. How how beholding do you feel or how, how much do you think that meant to Naomi that Ruth said, I will never leave you. As surely as the Lord lives, as surely as the Lord is my witness, death do us part. I bet that meant the world. I bet that brought strength into Naomi that she didn't even think she had left. And hope. Verse 16, it says, but Ruth said, you know, the, the, what we just read, what we know so well, I'll go where you go, I'll lodge where you lodge. Your people will be my people. Who ended up getting the better end of this kindness giving? Well, so far in this section, I kind of think Naomi did, don't you? Because Ruth, so far in this little section that we've only just barely touched on, Ruth just lost her hometown, her family, her hopes of probably ever marrying, at least as far as she would ever know. She's like lost everything. Naomi has gained everything because of her kindness. But kindness has a way of always coming back and blessing. Kindness always is returned by kindness. And so we got to finish the story, right? Because we know that what's coming. So they were hungry and they were desperate. They get back to Judah. And I, you really need to read this story because I'm going to leave so much out, you know, trying to get through this. But, but they get back there and they have nothing. And for women, for us just to understand what it must have been like is really pretty hard for us to understand because it's nothing like today. Now, we have single moms. We have moms trying to raise them, you know, their kids, trying to survive just on their own. Piece of cake, and I'm not saying it's a piece of cake, so don't get me wrong, don't beat me up, but piece of cake compared to what they had to deal with then, let me tell you. You have so many resources, they had none. They, most of them went to prostitution because they had no resources. Most of them just could not survive. God, because he knows this, he sets up like some kind of welfare thing in a sense that, that uh, you know, when a widow, when, when a, a, a wife loses her husband, becomes a widow, that the next in kin is supposed to marry her and provide a son. And that first son ends up becoming the heir and that's how the lineage continues to not die out and also how they are cared for. And there's a whole lot to that that we can't really get into. But they are desperate women, and they don't even know how they're going to eat 
at this time. And so they come up with this plan that Ruth is just going to go and pick up the crumbs that are left over during harvest time. You know, just pick up enough that they can survive off of. And so she just goes out and does this. And it's a scary time. It's a lonely time. It's a hard time. And in Ruth chapter 2, verse 4, we'll pick up there, and it says, Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Now, this is where Boaz kind of comes into the picture. And the first thing you know is that he is just a really neat guy, just kind. For whatever reason, is a bachelor. But he's just a kind guy because what does he say? What does it say right here? It says, And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Now, the, the first thing is he is concerned about the people. He wants them, he invites them to come and reap after the reapers to pick up at, you know, what's left for them and themselves because he just is a kind man himself. Kindness is all over this book, is it not? These are some good people. But Boaz, he notices Ruth, and he already kind of knows who she is, at least it seems to, according to the Scripture. It says, And the servant who, who was in charge of the reaper's answer, she is the young Molabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab, And I'm sure they must have had a conversation there that was a lot longer than what we have here. And she says, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz, so she is a hard worker, right? Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but Keep close to my young women. So he's looking out for her, right? Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Definitely looking out for her. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then I love this next section in verse 10. It says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have you found favor in your eyes? Have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Jesus is kind of overwhelmed by his kindness. And listen to what he says. Then Boaz answered, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband have been fully told me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to the people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, and to whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And this is just this is just happening, right? Naomi's kind and she receives kindness from Ruth. Ruth is kind and now she is starting to receive some kindness 
back to her. And I don't want you to read into the story and think that Boaz has any ulterior motives here. He might have, but if he does, it is, it's, it's, it's the motives of a gentleman. Okay? And if you read the rest of the, the book today, you will see that. Because at some point, she throws herself upon him. And he just is like, whoa, we're not going to do this. And he is such a gentleman in the midst of this. And he does everything right because he is just a good man. And this good man is being kind and considerate to the people around him. And Ruth is being kind to the, to the people around her. And Naomi's being kind. And these people are reaping kindness. It's not just wheat that's being reaped. It is just goodness that is coming on. And I, I just love this story. Like I said at the beginning, there's just so much depth to this. But, but I love how they treat one another and how it all is played out in the midst of it. The last thing, and you think that it's, it's kind of like all over, you know, because like eventually Boaz and, and Ruth end up marrying, they have a child, and they live happily ever after. And yet that's just the beginnings of all the kindness that is expressed in this book. Because the best is yet to come. And in Ruth chapter 4, Verse 14, we get to see how God's kindness comes upon all of them, right? Because that's what happens, is we express kindness and we reap what we sow and therefore we are going to receive kindness back because we are giving kindness to this person or this person. But don't ever underestimate that God's not in the midst of wanting to dish out kindness upon kindness. And so in verse 14, it says, Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the, the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. She says this right after Ruth gives birth to her son. And she's just like, I can't believe this is all coming together like this. I can't believe that my life has a joy once again, and that it has happiness and and that it has hope. And in verse 15 it says, He shall be to you a restorer of life and a, a nurturer of, of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born of Naomi. They, they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. You ought to go back sometime today and look up Perez and see who that man is and where he came from. This is quite a colorful little genealogy, but Perez fathered Hezron, and Hezron fathered Ram, and Ram fathered Aminadad, and Aminadad fathered Asham, Ashan, and Ashan fathered Salem, and Salem fathered Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed, and Obed 
fathered Jesse and Jesse fathered David. And if we went on and on, we would know that we would eventually get to whom? Jesus Christ. The kindness of God in the midst of this. How God is really at, at the very center of being kind in the midst of this. These kind-hearted people who have the Spirit of God you know, coming forth in them and they're just living out kindness to the people around them. And at the very center of this is God blessing every single thing that is going on. I believe one of the reasons that Ruth was written was to show us the kindness of God and how he sees the effort that we make to be like him. He has given us a spirit, and within that spirit, it wants to produce kindness in us. And he's given us this this brain to use, and we see around us people who are in need. There's needs all around us. There's needs that your spouse has right now. There's needs that your kids have. Kids, there are needs that your mom has today as a birth in you and, and this day that is honored you know, for her. And, and you, can, you can take advantage of those because you see those. And if you just let the Spirit of God work in your life, you can, you can be kind to these people in the midst of their need, right? And let me tell you, it will return back to you. It won't go unnoticed or unwasted in any way. God sees it. And God rewards it. When God rewards kindness for kindness, he rewards it a thousand times fold. He never disappoints. And so there's just this universal rule that we ought to keep in mind today. And it should encourage us to want to go out and reap. I mean, not reap, to sow kindness. So that we reap kindness. But we should also be encouraged to do it because... It's the way God has literally has put in us to do. I mean, it's the way God, it's what he intended when he gave us his spirit to live within us, is to be this. And this world is this crazy, it's a crazy journey because let me tell you, our, our journey, <laughs> there's going to be times that just like Naomi, we're going to have some really tough times and we're not even going to, but it doesn't mean that even in the midst of these tough times you can't be kind. Because you can, and it will always come back to bless you. So let us be people who sow kindness. I want to read to you one more verse, and then we're going to go into our communion. But do you remember when we were talking about in Galatians chapter 6 and starting in verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived, God can't be mocked. For whatever you sow, you also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh, flesh will also reap from, will from the, the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And we had that conversation, right? I want you to see what it says right the next two verses because I think it's really important. And let us not grow weary in doing good. 
For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What will we reap? What is he talking about? We're going to reap just like what they did. The kindness of God is what we're going to reap if we just continue to be these people. In verse 10 it says this, So then, as we have opportunity, and we do have opportunity, it's all around us. Let us do good to everyone. And then, and then I want you to, like, if you highlight and underline, please underline this. This is not the only place that the Bible says this kind of thing, and it's so important for us to grasp, especially to those who are of the household of faith. It begins here. When you begin to want to be people who want to sow kindness, to reap kindness, let it be here that you begin that process with your brothers and your sisters. The, the household of God. Did you notice that that's the way that played out in our whole story today? Was within the household. I mean, here you had Naomi, the mother-in-law, who was kind to the daughter-in-laws, whose family, right? And then you have Ruth, who is extremely kind-hearted to her mother-in-law. And then Boaz comes in the picture. He ends up becoming the, the kinsman redeemer, we say. Why is he a kinsman redeemer? Because he is part of the family. Now he's kind of on the outside, I mean, pretty distant, but he still sees them as family and his kindness is within that. And I just think that there's no coincidence that, that all of this is played out within the family. That's how God intends for us to play this out right now. God is com committed to radically providing kindness to those who put forth kindness to other people, especially in the Spirit of God. So we're coming to communion. And as we come around this table, there is nothing that we could think about today that shows kindness in this right here. This is part of God giving back kindness to you in the form of Jesus. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It's never too amazing that that seed just laid there for 2,000 years, just dormant. They say that most seeds, you know, will... Well, be, have a dormant stage, but they, but they also have a, a, dorm, a life in the dormant stage. Like eventually they won't, they won't be able to produce. But that just blows me away that it could be there for 2,000 years. It just needed to be cultivated in the right environment, and therefore it grew. Isn't that crazy? It's never too late to start sowing kindness. I had this idea, and so I went to a local store, and I purchased 
uh, some seed packets. Um, and they didn't feel like there was anything in it, but I, I thought, well, they must be really small. And so my plan was is to fill just a couple seeds in each of these little containers up here by our communion, and then I was going to just have this little conversation that as you come up and you, you get this juice and this bread that represents the kindness of God that's being, like I just shared with you from that scripture, that he's given to you, that he's expressed to you, pick up this little, you know, um, communion cup of a seed and go home and plant it. And I wasn't going to even tell you what it was and just see what you planted because whatever you planted, that is what you will reap, right? And, and just let it be a reminder that we ought to be planting. And I opened up my package and there was nothing in it. I kid you not. I thought, well, they are really little. And I was like trying to dump it, and I thought, well, then they're up here. Then I dumped it, and I, and I thought, well, that's weird. And so I opened the other one, and again, there was nothing in this thing. Nothing. And I, I don't want to open the next three because I want to take it back and let them open it, just so that they don't think that I'm lying to them, right? And I thought, how disappointing that was to me, the moment that I did it, like, right? But, but then I also thought, you know, how disappointing it would be for God for us to come up here, partake of this juice and this bread and the kindness that is being expressed here. This is what God has done for you, and he gets nothing in return. That would be really sad, wouldn't it? I mean, he, he has done this so that he could put within us his spirit. But there's this fleshly nature, and if you just let the fleshly nature take over Kindness will be pushed out of your life. You have to be very intentional about cultivating kindness in your life and letting the Spirit have his way. And so as we come and partake of this juice and this bread and remember the kindness of God, let us also be reminded not to uh, be empty vessels but to be vessels that are filled with not only goodness, like we talked about last week, but kindness. And let it start with our mothers this day, okay? Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for everything that we have in Jesus. Father, saw this need, and you came down and you met it through your son Jesus. And Father, it deserves to be for you to also reap what you have sown in this world. And for us, Father, we, we want to express back to you kindness. And I know that you have already taught us how to express that to you. We do it by expressing it to others around us. And as your word has told us today, especially in the household of God, let it begin with us, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.